here at ACO Radio, American Communications Online, or any affiliated stations or websites are not responsible for what guests, hosts, or call-ins may say. All programming is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. Hello, world. Welcome to American Communication Online with TGMRCT Radio. Welcome aboard, all you ground troops, spinning around smartly on the planet and all those off planet. We address universal life in the cosmos, the reality that we are all aliens. <laughs> Alien civilizations exist, and we go with the uh, entire cosmos out there. That we, we represent the cosmos connection, so we're real excited to share with you our ACO UFO Association. We're combining our ACO Association and our UFO Association. We have the health and wellness interest of everyone concerned as well as all those. And we picked up the UFO acronym for Unidentified Flying Objects for those that are in our little ACO club group of people. We have as a national director, Dr. Bruce M. McAbee and Dr. Irina Scott and Publications Committee, and uh, we've been working with Thomas R. Becker with a magazine called Allied Command Organization, Department of American Communications Online, and we're real proud to get that started this time. We're getting organized in 2019 with various people and various groups, and tonight we've got uh, Ken R. Johnston Sr., who was with Grumman and NASA back in the day when uh, many people were uh, sharing uh, their world and their lives and how it was going to be in 20, 2001 Space Odyssey time. And Ken and I actually went to see that movie, 2001 Space Odyssey, and uh, it's amazing that uh, we've crossed paths apparently uh, in Houston, Texas and at NASA and had many of the same friends in Grumman, and including my husband and his father, Don L. Parrish. So, uh, he's deceased, as is Stephen Lee Parrish, and their photos can be seen in NASA and uh, on the wall when you walk in down here at Cape Canaveral or, or Cape Kennedy, I guess, one might say. Uh, uh, anyway, we're going to work with people that are, aren't just NASA, but uh, people like Thomas R. Becker, who used to live down there and watch things happen. And uh, He's been helping us as the general manager for American Communications Online, so Welcome all of the Mad Painter's friends and Ken R. Johnston's friends on Facebook. He's gotten to be quite an ambassador of goodwill, promoting our ACO UFO Club. And uh, we're going to generate some news uh, with others in social media. There's a big thing about Area 51 in the news and Maddie Roberts uh, on Facebook who got that started. And uh, we'll see what we can share, if what we understand uh, having come and gone in that area and uh, how it's going to affect the rest of us. But in our trade association, we're calling this Concerns of the Peers and the Shift 2019 to 2020. And uh, anyone that would like to call in, the call-in number is uh, for guests, 347-945-7207, and we'll welcome you in the last hour. But let's get on uh, Ken and uh, Mad Painter Right here, Matt, our general manager. Matt, you bring in our Skype people if they want to call in. How are you tonight, Matt? I'm doing pretty good. Um, <laughs> I'm interested in what we're going to talk about. Me too. Whatever mm-hmm. that's going to be. <laughs> all of us and every all of us concerns the peers. Uh, you want to introduce yourself about uh, being an author and artist and handling our 
group as a GM and our magazine too. Just I know you don't have it proofed uh, out yet, but give it your best shot. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I'm I'm still working out the bugs in the magazine. Uh, it's the second edition will be out next month. So uh, the first edition was just a, a test run to see how it worked, and uh, I'm getting it together. It, it's going to be more of a uh, Science-based uh, uh, topics. Uh, it's, it, I mean, we're going to cover every topic, but it's going to be leaned more towards the science of what we do know for sure, and uh, what uh, possibly could happen, you know, and stuff, or what these scientific uh, topics could possibly mean for our future. Uh, I am an author, but a self-published author. Which you know, a lot of people don't consider that being an author, though. <laughs> but nowadays, I mean, you know, just about anybody could be an author. So, but I, and I'm an artist, and uh, th- with the magazine now, if you join the club, you can submit articles, and we'll see if you know how they go, and we might uh, possibly put them in the in the magazine. And uh, same thing with artwork. So. That's one of the perks of being a member of the ACO. All right. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Now we'll get Ken, our Johnston senior, who used to be the Grumman NASA guy in Houston, but he's moved on to greener pastures these days, being retired and working with uh, young auxiliary people and his wife and horse shows. And every time I see this little commercial with a little uh, – I think it's for communications, a little uh, short horse going in and out of a doggy door, but it's for the horse. It's really cute. I think it's for Sprint or somebody, but Ken's wife does these little, little horses too. But let me let Ken, uh, you probably know him better as uh, Ken R. Johnston, the Facebook and uh, speaker, but let's see. Ken R. Johnston, senior, can you hear me now? Are you off of mute? Yes. Um, as a matter of fact, it got you loud and clear. So I'm I'm ready to go for this evening. Uh, and for those who may not have gone to my website, then that'd be uh, KenJohnstonMedia.com, uh, I guess it is. And um, well, I, I was one of the first four civilian astronaut consultant pilots with the Apollo program. I went to work for the Grumman Aerospace Corporation as one of uh, one of the test pilots testing the lunar module in the vacuum chamber. Um, in the process, I logged over 4,000 hours as a as a spacecraft pilot in the lunar modules and had the privilege of working with just about every single one of the Apollo astronauts that were scheduled to actually make uh, lunar missions. And uh, as a matter of fact, Buzz Aldrin and I probably put in at least a thousand hours together out of the, the total 4,000 that I ran. So, um, and, and he's doing some rather interesting things right now too. So we may even be talking about that a little later this evening. Um, what I've been doing since then, well, I, I went to work for the, the Boeing company and helped design and build um, some of our launch facilities that we had for for um, satellites and retired from them. And good grief, I guess it was 1998. So I've been retired for just, just a few years there and been very active in the uh, space program. As uh, TJ mentioned, I've been uh, the director of um, the um, uh, well, students and young young people and scouts, as well as the Civil Air Patrol and uh, Civil Air Patrol, I'm a lieutenant colonel, and doing all that I can to help kids have something to look forward to and to live up to. So 
it's um, you stay busy and stay active and you live longer. So that's that's the best I can say, TJ. Well, thank you, Ken. Now, Ken uh, is like a spokesperson in a way or an ambassador for all of the, I guess, everything all-inclusive for our ACO club. Uh, we're using Allied Command Organization as uh, all-encompassing for our magazine anyway, and we have org. Ken Johnston Media.net is uh, Ken Johnston Media. Dot, and we've got blogspot.com up and running for him at KenJohnstonMedia.net. Everybody's looking at it, and it goes up to his blogspot.com, all his data's on there. And then we also have uh, him in our UFOassociation.org, and we'll get more information going up over there as well. Now, tonight a lot of people are going to be tuning in because they want to know what is up with all of our people in our organization and uh, the people that we promote mostly spokespeople that have bona fide books out there and authors like Dr. Bruce McAbee, Ph.D. Uh, he's been on our show several times. He's our national director for both. And he asked, what do I have to do exactly? But I guess he just has to be Dr. Bruce McAbee. And Richard Dolan, who's a very well-known historian, and you see him a lot on television and in uh, UFO YouTubes and uh, specials, on various channels as a spokesperson. He has his own Richard Dolan, if you want to look at that, and he does radio shows as well. And uh, let me look up and see uh, Richard Dolan. Uh, I believe it's richarddolan.com, and I've contributed a little bit here and there to some of his YouTubes. Uh, Richard Dolan. I'm Richard Dolan. Oh, okay. It's not richarddolan.com. Because that's not the one I know. I didn't know there was another Richard Dolan. How about that? So <laughs> I'll have to uh, see how, uh, where Richard's is. But everybody look up Richard D-O-L-A-N, Richard Dolan. If you haven't heard of him, great historian, ufologist. He wrote a couple of at least two thick, very thick books. And uh, one of our uh, members, uh, Dr. Uh, has been on lately. Bruce Bruce Cornett has been on recently, and he worked over around the Area 51 area, and uh, he has his own story to tell. So we hope you'll come back for that. Now, Area 51, uh, a mad. It's been in the news, and I guess Ken, Ken, you've talked about it as well. Uh, area 51 right. in the past, but you want to uh, either one of y'all want to start on anything you've got or been following with this story out there of storming Area 51 with Maddie Roberts' meme. You got anything? I just heard about it late this afternoon because I wasn't, uh, I've been so busy going for the uh, uh, preparation for the National Venture Horse Show. But uh, so I'm mad if if you're up on uh, this whole group of people that are wanting to storm uh, Area 51, the only thing I can say about that is I hope they have their insurance paid up. Okay, so <laughs> go ahead. Well, I know there's over a million people signed up for it. It started out as a joke, uh, and then uh, it just uh, kind of avalanched from there. But uh, and uh, I'm not sure the date. I think it's September 24th. They're going to plan it on it. I'll have to look up the date. But uh, the, the military's advising against it. 
Uh, there's a $750 uh, ticket uh, for trespassing uh, that you'll have to face if you go. <laughs> Just that alone will make most people stop, I think. Uh, let alone uh, they can use deadly force as soon as you cross past uh, the uh, line there where the signs are. I mean, they're entitled to shoot you. And uh, I don't know, a million people, I mean, you might get 10,000 uh, show up out of the million if if you're lucky. That's 10%. I don't think they'll get that lucky. And... Uh, I don't know. If you want to make some money, maybe you could go out there and sell some T-shirts or sell some bottled water because it sure gets thirsty in the desert. <laughs> yeah, this guy, Matty Roberts, is something else. But you try to go find a Facebook right now. I don't know if they got it down or what, but I did go to the one where they had the million, do- million sign up and all that, Storm Area 51 on Facebook. And they said it became a viral sensation after Matty Roberts on June 27th. It says that uh, Matty lives in California, and he created a Facebook part as a joke, not realizing that millions would be behind the paddle, battle cry see the, to see them aliens, in quotes, see them aliens at the Air Force Base <laughs> facility in Nevada. And, of course, Area 51 is known by many things besides dreamland and uh Groom Lake, but it is a real existing place, and the history that Area 51 has is under Groom Lake, or Area 51, and it's commonly known uh, now, and I'll give you the dates, but the facility was called Homie Airport, AXTA, or Groom Lake, after the Salt Flat, which uh, was seen as an airfield, interestingly enough, by some guys flying over one day. And I've got their names here. Uh, I'll look it up. Uh, Kenny Johnston, I think, was his name, but let me look it up for sure. Uh, he was doing a U-2 test, and they flew down. I believe that was back in 1955. But the date, uh, let me get that out of the way, is July uh, 27th when this apparently is getting out there. But the date is September 20th at 3 a.m. in the morning for everybody to meet. And I'm not uh, oh, September sure. September <laughs> 20th. I was wrong. <laughs> September 20th is the day. And uh, this Kelly Johnston, okay, his, according to the Lockheed YouTube designer, Kelly Johnston. Anyway, this is the quote. He flew, says, we flew over it. Within 30 seconds, you knew that was the place. It was right by a dry lake. Man alive. We looked at that lake, and we all looked at each other. It was another Edwards so we wheeled around, landed on that lake, taxied up to one end of it. It was a perfect natural landing field, as smooth as a billiard table, without anything being done to it. So you can imagine, uh, Ken, you're, you're a, a flyer, so, but talking about the lake bed made an ideal strip for testing aircraft. And the Immigrant Valley Mountain Ranges, as the NTS perimeter protected the site from Visitors, okay, about 100 miles north of Las Vegas. So that's the way the truck drivers would remember it because we'd get to go out there. And uh, there's a hazardous waste area that uh, got to be well-known among truck drivers. And if you had to drive 100 miles north, you knew where you were headed. So, But we never mentioned it. There was a mailbox out there. But the lake bed was ideal, okay, for landing in uh, aircraft and so 
apparently it got started back in the time of the Atomic Energy Commission, and uh, the original name, it's unclear as to how it really got started, but some people have come to believe that it was due to the Atomic Energy Commission, known as the AEC, had a numbered grid, but it's not part of the system, but adjacent to Area 51. So another explanation uh, for the 51 number reversed it because it was unlikely that the AEC would use the number. So according to the Central Intelligence Agency, the correct name for the facility, well, there's two. They use Homey Airport, KXTA, in Groom Lake, though the name Area 51 was used in a CIA document from the Vietnam War. So we know it's been around at least that long, probably 55. But in Groom Lake, so there you go, folks, because people from the U.K. were asking us if it was real. And we got a lot of people we represent, people contacting me and the UFO Association. we got a lot of big names in the business, especially in the radio hosting business. But I guess uh, still the biggest well, name, name known is probably uh, Art Bell that started back in the day with uh, Coast to Coast. And he's passed on now. But after Art Bell, there's George Nury, George Knapp, uh, making it famous with Bob Lazar. And actually this story, Maddie Roberts had heard the story with George Knapp, Bob Lazar on uh, – let me see if I can pull this up. The story was he had heard the Bob Lazar story. If any of you guys remember back in the day when uh, Bob Lazar was really, really famous, and uh, somewhere around 89, I don't have that story pulled up, but let's see here. Robert, he was, he was using the name as Val, V-A-L, which was like Val Thor, E-T, helping out mankind, but Roberts, Matty Roberts is the guy we're talking about. He doubted he'd have an actual army gathered to run the Area 51 in September, uh, but he thought, wow, why should, you know, with some pretty good people, they could uh, find out how to get this to be a safer event uh, promoting the area to help out uh, people in the business, so to speak, once a year at least. Uh, there are people that are getting involved with of people and Robert said he came up with the idea for a meme page after podcaster Joe Rogan uh, interviewed Area 51 whistleblower Bob Lazar and a filmmaker named Jeremy Corbell. And Lazar claimed that he had worked at um, alien spacecraft there, that he was employed Area 51's underground facilities. So before coming to KLAS, Roberts communicated with NPR via Facebook Messenger under a pseudonym Val. So he said, in quotes, I just thought it would be a funny idea for the meme page. But anyway, so that's what's happened. He thought it would be pretty cool after him seeing Bob Lazar on a uh, podcast with Joe Rogan. And uh, it's really the Air Force has stepped in saying that wouldn't be a very good idea for its part, but they did talk to the Washington Post about Area 51, about open training range. It's an open training range now for the U.S. Air Force, and they discourage anyone from trying to come into the area while they're training American Armed Forces. So uh, I understand there's some of the uh, hotels are filling up for September 20th. So it may be like a 9-11 date. It's going to wind up being a 9-20 date now in the uh, 2019 year, and people are already saying, where were you on 920? And they're going to say, I was right there, man, in Area 51. So I don't know what's going to happen, if anything. 
but uh, there's the pros and cons, but it's actually been on news. Uh, it's like a world phenomenon now, so it's getting to be a big deal uh, here. It's been running a couple of weeks since June 27th. It's now July 18th, and it caught up to our group as UFOassociation.org and our ACO Association for Health and Wellness, and uh, we have a lot of group of people that have groups in free social media online, and we deal with uh, uh, as uh, people that just post stuff. Now, Ken, you you were I saw you on Facebook, and we were talking about. Uh, we can come back to Area 51, folks, because that's now you sort of know the story. Area 51 is real, but uh, to be honest with you, we I did talk to uh, uh, Captain Captain. Dr. Rick Allen Miller, A-L-A-N-M-I-L-L-E-R, out of Washington. And he has been to Area 51 where he saw Krill, and he said that was like uh, – Bob Lazar talked about S-4 division, and he said he was at S-8. That's where Krill was, one of the aliens at that time. But since then, all those things have been moved, and a lot of people believe it's gone to Dugway area in Utah. But uh, I don't mean to put you on the spot, uh, but we may or may not know much about Dugway in Utah, but that was what was told they moved after such a big deal at Area 51. It's got to be more of a tourist attraction on the extraterrestrial highway in Rachel, Nevada, Area 51 in Nevada. But uh, Ken, do you have any more information from pilots or anybody about Dugway, or do you keep up with any pilots or anything? Well, no, I, 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 um, yeah. I, I don't keep up with the pilots because I guess I've officially been retired from uh hey i'm only 77 i figure i'm going to go to at least 180 so i've got a lot of work left to left to be involved in this but no um i have flown in and um close enough to see area 51 and as a matter of fact i i was in inclement weather and i wound up coming out on top uh when i, I started lowering down so i could break out below the, uh, the weather formation that we had there and i broke out basically right in the middle of that area. And then I had some escorts, and I just kept flying right along. This was back in, good grief, 1966. Would you believe that? Just a couple of years ago. Anyway, so um, I, I'm i really kind of anxious to see what happens. You know, you can push the government only so far before it has to re- respond, and sometimes a response can be a very powerful negative response. Now, um I personally wouldn't want it, but if you've got a million people, then you know you, you, that says an awful lot. And uh, I think we're, we've got some experience coming up. There's a whole lot of other things going on right now with um, direct contact. Uh, people I've been talking with have been pushing for full disclosure, and um, I'm feel like that uh, things that TJ and uh, and myself we've been involved in helping get full disclosure to, to be taking place now. So. Um, you're living in, in the time of change and reality, and I think we could all be um, Sorry. being excited about living at this time. So I'm, I'm hanging in there, and uh, <clears throat> I'm going I'm to sit back and watch, okay? Well, Dugway Proving Ground has been like – some people call it Area 52 just for promotional purposes, but uh, that's over in Utah. And I know that when I first started this back in 2012 – Dugway, Utah, was uh, just starting to release uh, public records, shedding light on that state, and a lot of uh, out, outreach. Uh, the James Bond 
super spy type stuff. Uh, and you can look up Dugway in Utah as well. But uh, there are various military bases involved with human exposure, biological chemical agents, and a lot of that is the reason they want people to stay away, to be quite honest. And, uh, you know, it was, remember, we did some uh, atomic bomb dropping, <laughs> and we should never forget that. <laughs> and where do we harbor our waste? So those are big things that people know to uh, steer clear of is uh, bad areas, and we would, of course, drop them in the desert. So if any of you know American history, America history, you may want to look at the boundary warnings for people. I'm going to read you one here. It says, warning U.S. Army boundary. All persons are subject to all regulations. Persons and vehicles are subject to search upon entry into and exit. This is from Dugway Proving Ground. And while within the boundaries of the military reservation, based upon probable cause or military necessity. So probable cause. But, you know, things change over the years, but uh, I don't know about the Atomic Energy Commission and the U.S. Army and the U.S. Air Force. So U.S. Army has a dugway proving ground, and the U.S. Air Force has, I guess, Area 51 because they found the U-2 to be of importance. And I do know that there used to be uh, these, uh, oh, what did they call them? They would use it from, for air when you look down over – they would put these big uh, well, camouflage nets over some they couldn't get in the hangars you know, to separate uh, when Russian, the Russian spy satellite would come across. There's one of the few things I, I remember or know about that on the salt flat over in Area 51. Now, uh, folks, because we are uh, social media – we have social media groups and Facebook – Plenty of them. We have UFO Secret Space, UFO, uh, well, UFO uh, organization. Uh, we do work with a lot of people all over the world and tell stories and uh, have people that watch. Uh, they're sky watchers, and they watch with infrared uh, binoculars, and they do their best to keep up with what's happening at NASA. And uh, there's plenty of information out there on Area 51. You could start with Wikipedia dot org and look at some of the letters that are posted but uh, the key here for us is to make sure that we agree with uh, the united states government and abide by all laws now civil aviation and uh, civil uh, groups uh, that are for peace peaceful organizations and you know that's definitely what we are we're and we're we're more of a trade association of independent contractors and we're authors, and so we've come together as authors to talk about what we're most interested in as space advocates and UFO enthusiasts. And there's been something in the last few days I've gotten from Daryl Sims. He's a big speaker out there, and he sent me some stuff that he uh, thinks we should sort of stay away from these UFOs and uh, anything to do with uh, people. And so there's pros and cons, and we're going to – get into a little bit of that peer-shifting uh, uh, topics tonight with Ahmed, which is Thomas R. Becker and Ken R. Johnston tonight, because there's pros and cons in everything, and our association is more about independent uh, authors, artists, graphic artists, engineers, people that are interested in seeing us go into space because we are space advocates. 
And we also believe in uh, disclosure and those things that we may have known all these years that we've never stopped being visited. And UFOs are real, and alien civilizations exist. That's sort of our cry. But uh, now some of you guys are working with uh, event specialists. Now, in, in a good way, for tourism reasons, in September 20th, that is a day where, like I said, they're already filling up the hotels. Not There's still bed and breakfast left. But uh, you can get tickets on uh, uh, out there. You just need to make sure what your tickets are for and uh, what are you visiting there. And there's the little alien and there's a little restaurant there. But if you're just going out to Rachel, Nevada, there's uh, – you need to find out who's meeting where on the extraterrestrial highway because Area 51 is located in the southern portion of the United uh, Nevada, 83 miles northwest of Las Vegas, and you're going to get lost out there. It's a big, huge desert. So unless you're with a tourism group or uh, groups in Las Vegas taking you out there, you may not want to just go perusing around Green Lake is totally unadvisable, not to mention it's a desert, a Salt Lake flat. <laughs> so it's not like you're going to drive out and there's a big Las Vegas city with all the casinos, okay? You're talking about 100 miles northwest. Uh, is it northwestern? Anyway, north in the western United States, but north of uh, anywhere nice with casinos and all the tourism and stuff. So there's not going to be anything out there for you to see, to be honest. We have a, a gate and a mailbox, but you won't be seeing the gate for you unless you're truck driver going to the other end. But uh, there's just not anything out there to see. Uh, Matt, what do we do to make people understand that now if they want to do events, you know we have event managers, and there's some putting it together out there for groups. So there's various bands starting to want to have like a – what do they call that out there where they have the burning man? <laughs> I didn't go to that, but it's like a, the thing that – you're an old hippie and mad. It's it's turning out to be where I've never, some I've of never the. Been to man. You haven't. Uh, you haven't been, I haven't yeah. been to the Burning Man. Uh, I doubt Ken has either. Hi, Coco. Well, anyway, there are groups getting together with uh, different groups that write songs, and I believe there's an Area 51 band. I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. But some of the bands have been getting uh, some hype out of this in the music industry. Interesting enough, uh, where is Area 51? Uh, there's books uh, books on Barnes & Noble about Area 51, classified U.S. military base situated in Green Lake. But there's also a mad – you don't have anything on uh, bands, do you, or music? Did you look up anything about the bands? No. Because that was popping up. Uh-huh. There's a couple of actors involved in, in it. I know one of the actors from the game uh, uh, Thrones is involved in it. Uh, I really hadn't had a chance to look that deeply into it. Personally, I think it's a psyop. I think they want everybody What's keeping an eye on what's going on out there instead of what's going on in our government. Well, it's sure taking on a lifestyle of phone. You know. Yeah, to get Area 51 out there. I guess they're trying to help tourism. I don't know what – it's supposed to be a gag on Facebook, Storm Area 51, by this Maddie Roberts. However, it's received so much media attention now that the media is getting involved, and so are event organizers in bands 
to see what they can make of this on September 20th. See, uh, yeah, if they can get go ahead. two million people worried about that instead of worrying about, you know, some of the things that are going on in Washington or New York City right now, you know. Oh, I see what you're I mean, saying. It's a sleight of we, hand in the media. Right. Because we, we media should be paying is owned. The stuff that really makes a difference. I mean, disclosure is happening slowly, but it is happening. And we all know that we've seen it. Uh, 30 years ago, you'd be called a nut if you said you'd seen a UFO. Today, nobody pays much attention to it. Yeah, my daughter came so in just passing through saying it's a big deal. Well, I don't mm-hmm. keep up with politics. Like when I was writing as a reporter weekly, I did uh, keep up with that. But that was during the younger Bush days before that, President CEO, and then in the Navy. You know, I was traveling the world and too involved in what all was going on and how we could get stuff import and export. And the world was just knocking me off as fast as I could make anything in America and all the other countries. So I wasn't a happy camper as a, you know, trying to make things and just everybody knocked it off quicker than I could in China and Korea and Philippines, everywhere. You know, it's just the way the world is. If they think they can make a dollar off of it. But you're saying in Washington we got so much going on. Now, what are you referring to, like Trump and uh, Russia or Republican senators? Or, uh, I don't the know main who else. The main thing I think it is is the pedophile stuff that's going on. I, I think they want people paying more attention to what, you know, the Area 51 deal because everybody knows they are, that it's already what it is. And, and even if there was alien stuff there at one time, it's probably been moved for the, in the last 50 years. Well, yeah, you know, Tom and so I worked probably, over it, in a mountain. You know, right, and what's there is now is top-secret uh, aircraft that they're working on and stuff, you know, stuff like that and bombs, you know. And that has to do with national security. And once you start messing with national security, the military don't play around. Well, they've got plenty of videos out, folks, if you want to see what's going on. Uh, we're sort of interested in it because just the word Area 51, ETs and UFOs, and that's our trade uh, association of groups of authors and speakers and radio hosts. And uh, people like to talk about things that are mysteries or unexplained. And we can't even explain ourselves, much less aliens, but uh, – we're taking the higher ground, saying that alien civilizations exist, and basically we are they. They've been coming and going. Now, we can talk about this because hopefully someday we're going to have an event. But just so you know, at this day and time, now this is the 50th anniversary. Isn't it a mad? And uh, Ken, Ken, you know yeah. when we walked on the moon, we need to flip over to that, I guess. But we'll come back to this Area 51 and talk about it some more. But July was it July 19th or July 20th when uh, Buzz Aldrin and uh, uh, Neil Armstrong walked? Was it July 19th? Can you anybody help me? Okay, because I know I got in trouble earlier about not getting the date right. Uh, Ken, do you have the uh, day that man walked on the moon? Was it July 19th or was it July 20th? I guess I got to look it up. I had that pulled up about Buzz Aldrin. Now we know Neil Armstrong has passed. He was a very strong. Uh, he'll always be famous for walking on the moon. Uh, but I'll pull up Neil Armstrong. 
gosh, he looked so different when he was young. He died August 25th, 2012 in Cincinnati. Hard to believe, Neil Armstrong. Uh, Ken, let's get into yeah, a little I, bit of history. Okay. 50th anniversary. Uh, when Do you know is. when man walked? Okay. I've always said day. it was on the 20th, and I don't have anything in front of me right now, but uh, it's always been the 20th and the information All right, that so I July remember. 20th. The, yeah, now somebody right. can, can jump in and say that, oh, well, you know, the, the time from getting to the earth to the moon and then from the moon back to the earth, you're probably going to hit both the 19th and the 20th, you know, because it was a three-day event. So um, I'm, I'm going to stick with the 20th until somebody can, can shoot me down on that one. So, All right. Well, he was a graduate of Purdue, Neil Armstrong. He was uh, – We'll just get into a little history here, folks, uh, being that Ken R. Johnston is a space advocate, a big NASA ambassador for the solar ambassador, we call him, for our group, our club, ACO Club. I get to be the Cosmos ambassador, starting with a mad with the Cosmos Connection was the name of my story, and we've got Cosmos Radios, plural. But Neil Alden Armstrong, uh, born August 5th, 1930, he died August 25th, 2012, was an American astronaut and aeronautical engineer. He was the first person to walk on the moon. He Now, why doesn't it tell me when? It's not in his bio here. He is a naval aviator and uh, test pilot. and a, you know, I didn't know that, but a university professor, graduate of Purdue University. So he did study yeah, yeah. aeronautical engineering, and he was in the U.S. Navy, uh, paid for by the Holloway Plan. He became a midshipman in '49 and a Navy ADA aviator the following year, and he actually saw action in the Korean War flying a Grumman F-9F Panther for all you air, air, air enthusiasts, or I don't know what you call it these days, aircraft enthusiasts. <laughs> and we used to say airplanes. I don't know, Ken. What do you call? What do your kids call it? In your was it Civil Air Patrol? There's still jet. We say jet. Maybe no. that's more than we do aircraft. What yeah, we say? It was July 20th. We call, it, we call them. We call them aircraft now. So that way, aircraft. that takes in both everything from helicopters to gliders to uh, to jets and to uh, piston-driven power. To, you know. Aircraft, so uh, no, it's it's aircraft. And of course, then you've got the other ones that uh, are the ones that we want to talk about sometimes in the UFOs, the unidentified flying objects. So, you know, we've got we've got a good connection going there. Let's, let's stick with aircraft for the earthbound uh, earthbound ones. That works for me. Aircraft. All right. And Amanda just said it was July twentieth, nineteen sixty nine, when Armstrong, the Apollo eleven lunar module, took off with Buzz Aldrin. And uh, it was actually, I guess, a big thing about who was going to step out first, a flip of the coin, got to be Neil Alden Armstrong. And uh, Neil yeah, Armstrong. That's, that's not quite true. That's not quite true. The uh, reason why Neil Armstrong, ordinarily, as, as most Navy um, officers will tell you, the, the captain or the commander of a ship, he's the last one to leave the ship in the event of, of an emergency. And uh, initially in the Apollo, the plan was is that the, the, the commander would be the first one to go in. But inside the lunar module, the, the hatch, the door, is underneath the instrument panels and goes out on a small little porch and then down the ladder onto the lunar surface. Well, the door opens to the inside, and when you open the door to the inside of the lunar module, it blocks the lunar module pilot, in this case Buzz Aldrin, 
and he could not get out first and let uh, uh, so what happened then it it uh, Neil Armstrong was the first one to go down, so he wasn't the the last person to leave uh, the ship, so to speak. He was actually the first person to step foot off of the landing pads onto the lunar surface, and then of course, Buzz was able to close the door and step over to the uh, um, the lunar module pilot, the commander, a CDR, command pilot, uh, hit the door and then close it back, move it back over to his side so then he could get down on his knees and he could crawl out. So that was the reason why Neil was the first one to uh, step foot on the moon. In all reality, Buzz, Buzz would have been the first one if the doors had swung the other direction. So that, that's okay. kind of hard to take for some photorealists. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, we do need to get the proper way to say it for the historians and those that are out there that really do pay attention to the details. So Buzz Aldrin was one of the first people to land on the moon. They spent eight days, 14 hours, 12 minutes, and 30 seconds in space. At least that's what it says here, according to Neil Armstrong's Wikipedia page. Now, he said that's one small step for man and one giant leap for mankind. Along with Collins and Aldrin, Armstrong was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom by President Richard Nixon. And then President Jimmy Carter presented Armstrong with the Congressional Space Medal of Honor in 78. And Armstrong and his former crewmates received a Congressional Gold Medal in 2009. But he uh, resigned from NASA in 71 uh, and taught at the Department of Aerospace Engineering at the University of Cincinnati until 79, and then he served on the Apollo 13 accident investigation on the Rogers Commission with investigative space shuttle Challenger disaster. Now, let me go back up a little bit, back up to the top, because I saw that gentleman's name I never can remember until today was Collins. And uh, what was his first name? But he's starting to finally be recognized. He was Michael. the one that stayed in orbit, orbit, orbited around the uh, – stayed on the – I guess the module to get the two guys back home, Collins. What right. was his first name? Yeah. Michael. That was Michael. That Michael? Michael Collins. Michael Collins, and okay. he was what would be the CDR, the the, the com, uh, command module pilot. Um, Neil Armstrong was considered the, the commander of the whole mission, and then uh, Buzz Aldrin, of course, was the lunar module pilot. So, um, yeah, that's all for him. In, you know that it's it was kind of hard for some of the people uh, for a little while when they got back, uh, such as I know uh, Buzz had a hard time because you know, let's face it, ordinarily according to naval and, and aviation things, the the um, the commander is the last one to to leave the, the the craft, the spacecraft. But Buzz had to go wait and be be the last just simply because of the way the door was designed on the lunar module, and then of course they got over that and. Uh, Neil Neil went back to work uh, at the university as a professor, and uh, Buzz uh, continued on and finally got things all squared away, and then uh, got back involved in making the big push to get um, America to be the first ones to go and land on Mars. In fact, that he's got a big program going right now to do a um, people can join in in a oh, what do they call that a a fictitious but they, they're they think it looks just like you're you're on Mars yourself. So we're we're making progress and heading in the right direction. And Buzz is involved in every bit of that. And uh, like I I told you earlier, I have probably close to a thousand hours inside the lunar module with 
with a buzz. Well, probably less than that, but uh, I did get the chance to help train uh, all of the, mar- the, the lunar bound astronauts that had to understand and know how to, to fly the, the lunar module. And even Michael Collins also had to know uh, if, if he had to, to, while they were still in orbit or on transition from the Earth to the moon or the moon back to the Earth, he would have had to uh, understand how the instrument panels and all the instruments and things uh, work inside the lunar module as well as the command module so that he can switch over. But that's um, those things have happened. It's this now the 50th year anniversary of the first step forward on on the lunar surface. I, I think people should give Buzz as much credit for stepping on the moon as they did Neil because they were the team and was part of the team that first stepped off of the lunar module onto the lunar surface. So he's got my respect. Well, what about Michael Collins? Because I didn't – I, I, this sounds terrible, folks, because I lived it. I was born in 51 when they were going through Pensacola right here where I live, the naval uh, flight training. But Michael Collins, uh, it looks like he was an American astronaut and test pilot too. But he was flying yes. around out there. Can you tell us why, you know, he doesn't, why don't we remember his name? I, I mean, I'm remembering it today. He's 5'11". His name is Michael Collins. He's a American former astronaut, test pilot, retired Major General of the United States Air Force Reserve, selected as part of the third group of 14 astronauts in 1963. And he flew in right. space twice. But he doesn't get the kind of credibility. He was actually born in Italy, October 31, 1930, although he's American. It says Rome, Lazio, Italy, spouse Patricia Mary Finnegan. Apparently uh, they were married. And uh, But there's not a whole lot like there is on Michael Collins. Why do you think that is? I mean, even though he was out there, he was flying – Explain that to us. Why, why, he had to okay. stay, yeah, off the moon. Uh, but can you explain that? He, he, yeah, sure can. The um, we had to have someone stay aboard the command module, and while the lunar module separated from the command module, and then uh, fired the retro rockets to descend down and make their final landing on the lunar surface. Well, we had to have someone on board the command module to be sure to keep it running proper, and then. All the equipment was steady because his responsibility was to be able to um, fire the engines at the right time and head back to the Earth to make the, the trans-Earth uh, insertion, which is the most amazing things that pop back in when you haven't talked about them in a while. But we call it trans-lunar trans insertion is when we left the orbit around the Earth and translated back uh, over to the moon so we could do the landing. Same thing in the moon when Neil and Buzz uh, took the lunar module, LTA-8. No, I'm sorry, LTA-8 was the one in the vacuum chamber we tested first. He was in, uh, that was Apollo 11 and the command, the lunar module. I'm trying to think of what number it was that Grumman had built the, uh, uh, well, it'll come to me shortly. Anyway, so the reason, the reason I think that uh, Michael Collins doesn't get all that much press is because the our press, people, all they could think about is, oh, the first person to step on the moon. Oh, the second person to step on the moon. Well, who was the third guy that helped him get there and get back? Oh, well, we forgot his name. That's too bad, because without Michael, um, of course, uh, Neil was supposed to be uh, qualified in both the command module and the lunar module, 
So, and you know, when we had a big, big disaster on Apollo 13, where we almost lost the whole crew, uh, they were all three of them had to be able to live inside the lunar module for the trans-Earth insertion back, and then fly the command module back into uh, the Earth's atmosphere, and then splash down and be safe. So, the other thing I can tell you is that it was the press that worldwide that had to talk about the first man to step foot on the moon. Well. From what we're doing, I say we, uh, involved in uh, the secret space programs and all, we may well discover and make it part of full disclosure that Neil and Buzz were not the first ones to step on the moon. So we might bring that up sometimes as a subject. What do you think about that one, TJ? Well, I, I wouldn't know whose name would to put first since I believe we're all aliens anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and then some people don't even believe that since it rang like a bell for eight hours or however long it was, that it's not even a real planet. It may be something else. So that's a very deep subject. We'll have to go down the rabbit hole or up the food chain, as I say. So Michael Collins, though, folks, remember his name, please. Uh, you know, these guys were back born back in 1951. Or, no, they were born in 1930. And let's see when he was born. Now, we're talking now about the man. It's 50 years since we're, uh, uh, we've walked on the moon, I guess. But he was born October. Oh, he was born on Halloween. Michael Collins, uh, born October 31st. Isn't that a coincidence? So he was a major general in the United States Air Force, selected as part of a group of thir- 14 astronauts in 1963. He flew into space twice, was on Gemini 10, in which he and command pilot John Young performed orbital rendezvous with two different spacecraft and undertook two EVAs, extravehicular activities, also known as spacewalks. Now, I'm just going to throw this in here. I remember uh, he became very important because he went out there and he helped design a lot of the suits because there wasn't anything to hang on to. And apparently, I guess, uh, Ken, you'd know more about this, hanging out in, with Grumman and NASA, but apparently there was, it was all smooth surface, and I hope you folks would go on YouTube and look for Michael Collins due to this anniversary. But uh, he helped design some things. What, what are you supposed to hold on to? So apparently he was uh, one of the ones that uh, helped figure out, we need something to hold on to out here, folks. <laughs> Do you remember anything about that, Ken, or floating yeah, off? Um, what, what most people don't realize is that these, the original seven astronauts that, that, that were selected, most of them had their um, almost their doctorates in engineering and design. And um, I think one of the most interesting things that we have with Grumman is that uh, we would the astronauts would come over while we were inside testing and and doing things and come in and they would. They would say, no, that won't work. I don't like it this way. Change it to this way. So they had a firsthand um, part in helping the designs of the command module and the lunar module. And uh, so these were very, very sharp. And and in most cases, they had already been test pilots and part of some of the, the, I guess, secret aircraft designs. So these these were very sharp people, and uh, they always had my respect. Of course, I was the youngest one in the whole darn group. Let's see, I got out of the Marine Corps in 1966 and uh, went to work at NASA with Grumman. And so that made me about the youngest youngest kid on the block because I was born in 1942. 
and uh, they were born probably about five years, five to eight years before me. And uh, well, they, the 1930s they, were good for these guys. Michael yeah. Collins was born October 31st, 1930, and I think Buzz Aldrin, yeah. 30, 32. Neil Armstrong, and let I me see when he 42. was born. So right, you came, yeah, you came out. <laughs> now he was born August, August fifth, nineteen thirty, uh, was Neil right. Armstrong. So these are babies uh, from the nineteen thirties, and I wasn't born till they were over here at Pensacola going through uh, Pensacola training here. You know, Naval Air Station over here, uh, Naval Air Station that we had one in uh, Pensacola is still here. So you had to come right. up here to go to Naval Air Station, Pensacola, or were you a Marine here? Do you remember any of your was, days right here? Because I'm here in, in Gulf yeah, Breeze. I was going to tell you, the, three mile bridge. the Marines, the Marines uh, take advantage of the Navy since we were during peace times. The, the Marine Corps was considered a branch of the United States Navy. During a, a declared war, then the Marines become an independent group, just like you have the Army, the Navy. Uh, the Air Force, uh, then you had the Marine Corps during during war. So yes, um, I was I was at Pensacola and also pilot training in 1964. So um, yep, I, I was following the same same path as most of them. My brother, Dr. A. R. Johnston, um, he was he was up for wanted to become one of the astronauts, but uh, he had a slight heart murmur. And was was not able to be selected for that, but he was part of the design of the big chamber A vacuum chamber that we tested the command module in and others, and then we the chamber B, which is where Grumman and all of us did the testing of uh, the, the lunar module LTA eight lunar test article number eight. So um, it was it was kind of cool that having two brothers um, that heavily involved in the uh, the whole space program. And looking back over it, uh, it was quite an honor and experience. A lot of people have asked, well, you know, uh, well, you know, <laughs> I guess, why weren't you, why didn't you keep getting involved and keep doing that? Well, you know, we were involved. We did, and we helped get to the moon and get safely back to the Earth, just like Kennedy said we needed to do. And then after that, um, Congress started um, shutting down. That's something we might want to talk about sometime is, why didn't we go back to the moon after Apollo 17? Yeah, we've been paying the Russians to take us back up there since 2011. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. I mean, here we were, you know, think of the work we did back in the day. We thought we were really going to be like the Jetsons running around in our cars. But before we leave that and go into the future, uh, let's talk. I'm going to mention Alan Bean because I met him, and I thought he was the prettiest eyes, you know, when I was there in Houston. <laughs> And Alan died May 26, 2018, at 86. But he was born the same year my mother was in Wheeler, Texas, March 15, 1932. And I told you he was the one. I think I had a crush on him because he had the prettiest eyes. He was 5'10", and I was. But I loved talking to him. And he would come through the bank when I was working at Nassau Bay National Bank right across the street. And he banked there. So he'd pull up in his Corvette with those black bat wings. And tell us about the yep. Corvettes. I'm, I'm, I'm mad. Mad, you may not know this, okay. but some of the astronauts got the Corvettes. <laughs> Remember that story, uh, that, Ken? Oh, I was going to jump in. Mad, but, you know, one, one of the things, and, and it only happened up through the first 
um, the, the, the first seven astronauts they were selected, and then only those that had been selected go on the moon. Um, I guess Chevrolet is the one that designed and built the uh, the Corvette. Um, they they gave Corvettes to each one of the astronauts that were selected for the missions to go to the moon. And down along the the fender at the front of the down on the edge, they would have the symbol of either CDR, you know, uh, the com- commander for the um, for the mission, or LMP, lunar module pilot. And um, that was one of the biggest kicks we ever got down at the Johnson Space Center, as well as is at the Cape Canaveral and and even in Florida, uh, not Florida, excuse me, uh, uh, New Orleans uh, for this uh, program they had going there. And these guys would come driving up to uh, the um, uh, the entrance into the space center, and there was their little little Corvettes, and there was their little symbol, and they had their names on them. It was really quite a the whole. America and I guess the whole world were really rooting for and and with good reason to back and support our astronauts that had the nerves and and the abilities to to take human beings mankind from the earth and expand it over to the moon and then return safely back so yeah the, those corvettes were really really quite cute and kind of nice to see and let me let me point out you, you mentioned the the astronaut that had such good looking eyes uh, as one of the the men there, I don't think I noticed their eyes as being really pretty like that. <laughs> we'll leave that up to you ladies, okay? <laughs> well, I was very young, <laughs> and uh, you he go. was very nice. Uh, somebody's tuned in here from Georgia. Uh, you uh, you want to say hi to everybody, or you have a question for us, or what? Who, who is this? Seven zero six number two two six. You want to share with us? By hey, chance? Uh, Jim Pelham. Uh, I just uh, just figured out how to get on with you guys, and uh, I've got you hooked up on the phone. Are are you also uh, coming through on the computer? Yeah. Great. Hey, uh, I've got to click on something here to, to hear you on the computer. This this is my first time to do this, by the way. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, congratulations. Yay. Tell us uh, what – this is wonderful. Well, tell us what your name is, and we welcome yeah. you to our concerns and our okay. association, ACOUFO. Go ahead. What's your name? Uh, it's Ben Pelham. Uh, I used to – re- I'm retired out of the Navy in uh, 1976, so I've been around the block pretty good. I used to live in Pensacola down near you, as a matter of fact. Wow. For about 10 years I was there. Well, it's good um, to have somebody new that figured out how to use the equipment and get on the phone, <laughs> and you're retired Navy, which I'm not retired, but I am prior Navy. I, I guess I'm retired now. I guess, they say I'm a veteran. I guess they let me use that. Term, but I did most of my training, you know, in and out of country. Well, uh, what brought you here tonight? Tell uh, this, this is my friend Ken Johnston that worked at NASA and Grumman, and my friend Thomas Becker. And Thomas over there in Georgia with you. I was uh, chatting with Ken, and he told me uh, while we were chatting that that he was going to be with you, and uh, I linked. Uh, you know, I had your name and knew you was on the radio, so I finally went to your website and uh, 
finally got it figured out. I'm sorry I'm a little bit late to hope to, to sign on with you guys. It's nice. Oh, no, that's you. fine. Well, Ken, t- tell me, you know this guy Bill in Georgia? Well, I, as a matter of fact, Bill Bill uh, went to my website, and uh, we started chatting back and forth, and then I let him know that we were going to be on the radio uh, this evening, and he said, where whereabouts? And I, I copied off the, uh, the the link and sent the information back and forth with him so that he could, could uh, you know, get involved and, and listen to things going on and maybe he can do some contributing. The fact that he uh, got training and worked there at Pensacola puts him right in there with you and me. And I, it does. I, mean, I don't know. So, you know, although although well, I am older than you are. so. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bill, what part of Georgia? Because that's where uh, – now, I'm mad tune in here and talk to this guy that's near with our group. This is his first time. Uh, Matt is Thomas R. Becker. Now, Thomas, you're somewhere around Valdosta, right? So let's find out. Bill, where are you from Valdosta, Georgia? Okay. uh, If you're referring to me, my my name is Ben. uh, Ben. I'm in Dalton, Dalton, Georgia. Oh, Ben, okay. Yeah. You're south of Chattanooga, about 35 miles. Dalton, Georgia, uh, to Valdosta. Let me see how far that is. Are you here, Ahmed? I'm, I'm here, but I can I cannot hear him. Oh, it yeah. must be static on his line. Okay. Maybe it's like the old, uh, the old the old phones we had, Ben. You're gonna have to get the microphone up a little bit closer to you so we can hear you better. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's see here. What I can do, my that sounds better. Oh, is it better now? Oh, yeah, you have to talk loud. You have to yell at yeah. us so we can hear you. Over there's a yeah, little old static. Kind of weak anyway, and uh, so sorry about that. I was uh, kind of hoping that the uh, computer uh, would give me uh, your voices, and but I guess it doesn't work that way. Not very good okay. sometimes. Yeah, I'll, I'll just you on your phone? And, uh, I don't want to take all your time, but it's I'm real glad that you're doing what you're doing. And uh, I'm sitting up here, as I told uh, Ken, I'm uh, double 40 plus two, and I'm hoping to see disclosure in this lifetime. <laughs> so <laughs> I want you guys to bring it on. <laughs> uh, it's it's going on now. It's Go ahead. Do you have any experience in the Navy or seeing anything you'd like to share? Because we're in the second part of the hour when we invite people to share the second hour. Yeah. So, okay. Ben, yes, what's yeah, your last um, name again? It's what's your last Pelham. name, Ben? And, uh, Spell that for it's me. A ben Pelham is the name. And uh, I was in the Navy for a 20-year retirement uh, stationed on uh, the – Northampton and the uh, USS Saratoga, CDA 60 out of Pensacola, or rather uh, Mayport, Florida. And uh, from there, uh, I went into the reserve uh, training system, and uh, my last duty station was in uh, uh, New Orleans, Louisiana, and before that in Omaha, Nebraska. That's where they had the 
naval air and the the Black Sea Navy tied together up there at that time. So I basically I was a storekeeper dealing in logistics and uh, you know just normal uh, uh, just normal typing and uh, uh, researching and and uh, produce uh, some directives on uh, logistics and whatnot. It's been a long time. I retired in '76. It's been a long, long time. Yeah. But that's kind of my my background. I did serve at uh, at Naval uh, Reserve Station and uh, Center Training Center in Jackson, Mississippi, and in Jackson, Tennessee. I was at another one, and while I was there, uh, I happened to be there. I guess at the wrong time because I had to to close out uh, as the Navy cut down. I had to close out and ship out everything out of four or five different uh, installations. So I got a lot of experience in logistics and, uh, you know, uh, excess property and all of that. So that's, that's about have, me in a nutshell. Did you have any experiences running into people that, that claimed that they had contact with or was uh, at the right place to see extraterrestrial spacecraft, UFOs, or what have you? Uh, you know, uh, I really have not. I've not. Uh, I just started. Uh, I guess started picking up on it a little here and a little there, and uh, I, I do a lot of research on the computer and whatnot. I'm I'm able to do that. I'm a, a pretty good researcher, and uh, I've I've learned uh, uh, a lot of the key people. That's uh, or at least some of the key people that. Uh, that are on Gaia, for instance, dot com. There's a lot of people on there, and uh, and other other places. And that's that's where I come on to you, uh, Ken. Is, uh, I was interested in the, you know, the Apollo programs and things like that. So, right. well, good. We're awful glad to have you come on with us. And um, yeah, well, thank the you. Fact that I wish I had uh, could contribute something more than. I'm a weak voice, but I'm glad to be here with you. Well, we were glad to have you there. Well, Well, uh, now, disclosure. Uh, Ken, that's your key word, and I know you've been going to a lot of events. So uh, share what you'd like to, Ken. We'll give you the floor for a minute, me and Ahmed here, and then Ahmed, you can uh, choose a topic. But it is the last hour. It's just more of a a conversation than anything, folks for our UFO Trade Association, but we are ACO, and it can stand for whatever you want it to, Alien Civilizations Organization or Alien Contact Organization or UFO Trade Association, but we're trying to find all our veterans and people that uh, worked in the industry getting us to space or just protecting the, the planet and the people. So I guess it's just for everybody but especially for our veterans and retired people that have some time to get to know each other. Uh, so, Ken, why don't you start? And then, uh, Tom Becker, I'd like you to come on and tell us what you did with the Navy. I'm Navy, Ben's Navy, Ken's Marine, and NASA <laughs> Grumman dude. So yes. we've got three Navies and one NASA Grumman Marine dude. So we'll let the NASA Grumman Marine pilot dude start off. Share a little bit of your history. I can't tell your history. <laughs> well, I guess the history really was that, um, um, well, 
when the Air Force Academy first came out, and I was in the military school, the Oklahoma Military Academy, both um, high school and junior college, and um, I, a lot of us applied to get to be to go to the new Air Force Academy. Well, <clears throat> I I was selected as a first runner up, and if the person that I was uh, tied to go to the Air Force Academy uh, had decided not to go, then I would have been picked up and go on that. So I didn't get to, to go into the Air Force. So here I am during the summer and uh, going to taking summer school at Oklahoma City University and my best friend from OMA and Norman Jack Lancaster, who's no longer with us now, uh, he came in the dorm one night. And he says, well, Ken, I've joined the Marine Corps. And, of course, you know, when you're real young and brilliant, those days said, like, hell, you are. I'm going with you. So <laughs> I, uh, I went down the next day, and uh, I enrolled. We went from – uh, captains and advanced ROTC at the university down to Marine Corps butt privates at Pensacola, not Pensacola, at uh, MCRD, Marine Corps Recruit Depot in San Diego. And uh, the one thing we were smart enough on is that we didn't let any of the drill instructors know that we had any prior military um, experience, ROTC or otherwise, because they would use you as an example and try to tear you down to the levels of you know, like when we were we were doing some of the activities, uh, we had the the our instructors we called them Gunny because they were uh, uh, sergeants, and I and uh, I'd say, well, Gunny, is this how you're supposed to do it? And he said, Yeah, yeah, you're doing good. Keep it up. And of course, we could have taught the class ourselves. At least we weren't that stupid. Anyway, so after that, uh, we went on into um, uh, I we Jack stayed at El Toro in California, and I went on to officer pilot training. Uh, I had a little more college than he did, and I went in there with just two years of college at the time. So after um, uh, completing uh, the basic flight training and then going into advanced, uh, Vietnam was just beefing up real big, going crazy. And um, I was my, – my father was a, a pilot in World War II. Uh, he was a bomber pilot lost his life in World War II. And I grew up that I was going to affect that. I'm looking at a picture of him right now on my desk here in my little office in my home. And um, I, I was determined that I was going to be like my dad and be a pilot. Well, here I was told that um, by the commandant of the Marine Corps, says, um, we're not going to, we don't need any more pilots. We need helicopter pilots. Everybody in the Marine Corps is going to become helicopter pilots and go to Vietnam. And I said, no, I'm, I'm, a, a, I'm not going to fly a plane that has my wings spinning around above me. I'm a I'm a airplane pilot, and they said, well, you don't have a choice. I said, yes, I do. So I took the after a year and a half in there and been through advanced training in, in the aircraft, and they switched us over to helicopters. I took what they called a DOR. Uh, that's um, um, yeah, you know, dropping out at your own request, DOR. Um, and I went back to went from uh, captain back to Marine Corps uh, sergeant back to El Toro where Jack, my friend, was, and we put in our last 10, 10 months and um, took, our, took our, our leave of the Marine Corps. And that's when I wound up uh, with my brother at NASA and him telling me, get my little fanny down to Houston because that's where they were looking for people, especially that had uh, avionics training, electronic training, and uh, degree in uh, uh, aviation electronics. And uh, went to work for the Grumman Company. So, yeah, those were those were kind of the experiences that I had to get in there. I'm glad to hear that. Um, I guess it's, uh, uh, forgive me, Bill. I my memory on names real quick doesn't work out. But I was uh, he and I chatted back and forth. Say it again. 
Ben Pelham. Ben, yeah. B-E-N. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Benjamin. It's, yeah. it's Ben Pelham. Yeah, he and I chatted back and forth, and that was, that was um, pretty cool, because I, I like to do that with, with people that have, uh, you know, you, you get to find out just like you and I have, TJ, that here we were bouncing around doing similar things and actually in the same areas and may well have run into each other, you know, either walking down the hallway and physically run into each other or actually were involved in some of the tests and, and things. Yeah. And that, that, that Bill, you, your job was to make sure that everything was working right and see that we had all the equipment to do it. As if, I, if I'm reading right what you said you were doing, and let's face it, we couldn't have accomplished anything that we did if we didn't have both both types, both jobs, and both functions in order to get yeah, it done. Now, our job is disclosure, and God, that's, God, that's I have it all. That's right, yeah. Yep, you're, you're real faint. You took your mouth away from the microphone, and we can't hear you. Just barely heard you. Yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, I can uh, find the. Speak louder, my friend. Speak louder. Yes. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll try to speak louder. If you if you can't hear me, I'll just I'll just keep listening. That's that's good. But my, my career though was really a lot of it was uh, administrative, and uh, and the other end of it was sheer logistics. And uh, on the ship, of course, we were concerned with parts and whatnot. <clears throat> we had uh, six supply divisions on the Saratoga, and I, I had the honor of. Serving uh, of, of uh, serving under Captain Joe Smith, he was our supply officer for that aircraft carrier, and I ran his office for him, and I really enjoyed being with him, and uh, that was a good experience. And then when I got over to the Naval Reserve outfits, I was ba- basically the business manager for those things, and I learned a lot more. And then they picked me up when I made uh, E-7 and sent me up to Omaha, Nebraska. That's when they combined the uh, the uh, uh, Naval Air with the Black Shoe Navy, and it stayed that way for several years. But I went up there for four years, and then a, a congressman uh, had more pull, and, and he pulled us away down to uh, New Orleans. So I served down there three years on that same staff. I was on the Admiral staff for seven years. And then from there, I got out of the Navy and come up to Georgia briefly. And uh, then I decided I wanted to move to Pensacola. I had a good friend. And so we moved down there. And I lived there about 10 years, about 10 years. And uh, so it was a good experience. I had uh, Played a lot of golf on the naval uh, base there. I guess Ken is familiar with that. Probably played on it too. But it was a good experience. You bet. You I bet. hope you can well, hear really, this anyway. From, from yeah, the pilot standpoint, we really appreciate what you did to, for uh, uh, the supplies and being sure we had everything we needed. So um, <laughs> you were involved there. I guess probably after I was. I think Vietnam was over with by the time you got there. Is that correct? Yeah, well, yeah, no, not quite, no. Yeah. Uh, as yeah. it was, oh, okay. I never got assigned over there. But uh, there you go. it okay. went to Jackson, Tennessee in about 1960, around 1966. And uh, from there, they sent me to Jackson, Mississippi. And I was there till about August of 69. Uh, and then they sent me up to Omaha. 
But I didn't have there to go you. to Vietnam. I had a couple of brothers that were there. Uh, one of my brothers was a chief boatswain's mate. He, he pulled some uh, riverboat duty over there. And then I had a young brother in the uh, Air Force. He was a, a lineman in the Air Force. He was there. So, But I didn't have to go. Well, I'm, I'm glad you didn't have to go, too. And uh, the big thing is... And, and, TJ, you guys can jump in on this. I, one of the things that I think that our contact with extraterrestrials and uh, what have you is very important in helping us move forward as a species of earthlings to where we don't instantaneously think that the way to solve this or that is to go to war. I, I'm looking forward to um, direct contact and full disclosure and uh, being a part of helping that take place and I'd, I'd love to hear other people that are involved because so often I've run into a situation where people that I knew and had talked with that I got information from um, having to do with direct contact and uh, then they up and they die on us and then we we lose that information so my, my yeah. big push is anyone out there that happens to dial in and listen to some of us talk it is time to come forward because there's enough of us that uh, so long as you stick with the truth and tell the truth. That I'll, this was a story my mother always said. So long as you're telling the truth, you're going to be okay. The only thing is, in the things we were involved with, TJ, sometimes we had to keep the truth to ourselves for a while because we weren't allowed to talk about it. Isn't that about right? So keep the secrets until it's time to disclose. And, yeah. uh, that's well, what I'm, I'm Go ahead. Maybe that's what we can do, guys. Ben Pelham with uh, Ken R. Johnston here talking Navy talk and military talk. This uh, I've got this ACO Association and UFO Association combining for the ACO Club. Now, it's up for people. We've got to put some more information. But, Ben, write down acoclub.app. That's how our address for our newsletter we're putting out, and we're going to have our magazine called We're Bringing All the Forces Together, uh, all the old reserves, whatever they want to share, and see Air Mariner, Air Force Marines, Army, Navy, yeah. Air Force Marines, even Coast Guard if they want, and then the new Space Force and Space Command so we can meet other people and have a, a lot of our retirees. They may or may not want to be uh, enthusiasts, are independent. Uh, oh, something's making a lot of noise, isn't it? Oh, TJ, uh, uh, did you say did you say ACO Club? Club. And Dot what was the last part of it, please? APP. A A C P, right? Okay. A C O. All right, I'll, uh, I'll I'll look look into that. And I, when 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 Ken gave me uh, the hookup to you, uh, I was surprised when I found out you was a woman. TJ, I thought, well, that's okay too, you know. But I, I thought I thought TJ was going to be a man. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's okay. I hope you don't mind. You know, TJ, uh, that's one of the reasons I use it. But my books are under Teresa with a T H E R E S A. But now uh, Tom Thomas Becker here, my general manager and producer here with Helping Us in Radio, he's yes. uh, agreeing with me it may be easier to use T.J. Morris. 
But yeah. let me let uh, Tom, it's your turn to talk, Thomas, about your Navy experience here with Ben. And uh, we can have him go look at that Allied Command. But talk to Ben a minute about all our forces and in disclosure, if you will. Uh, and he can pull up that beautiful uh, magazine you did, uh, Tom, acoclub.app for application. That just is the uh, last three instead of com, org, or net. But, Ahmed, can you unmute? I'm looking at your magazine right now. Uh, uh, it can be found up on uh, uh, Kindle under um, uh, Allied Command Organization. It'll come let up. Let me go through. I'm going to try to pull it up. Okay. Uh, Kindle. Can you, you, uh, Bill, you said you got out in 76. That's when I got out. Ben? Yeah, uh, it was 1976. That's when I retired in, in May of 76. Yeah, I, I followed the Saratoga around a little bit. I was on a Harry E. Arnell, and we okay. played light buoy watch for the Saratoga a few times. Yeah, well, I, you know, we've been close to each other several times. It took a while to link up. <laughs> But I'm glad I know you now, and uh, TJ, it's it's really nice to know that you're there too. And, yeah, uh, thank you. And maybe well, uh, that was the idea about having this club, is because uh, like-minded people like to be around other people who kind of think the same as they do, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my so, well, a lot of times uh, I'm not being facetious, but some people. Don't do a lot of thinking, you know. My brother was talking to me about some of his kids, and he said, <laughs> he said they're all airheads. They don't want to know anything, you know. <laughs> but me, I want to find out everything I can about everything, you know. <laughs> so I well, think it's good I to agree be with that. But see, that's part of the that's part of the disinformation uh campaign that uh the powers that be have put into the UFO uh, of course when there's a UFO sighting you you got you know normal people who see it and then report it and then you'll end up yeah. having with you know they'll stick somebody in there that's got a fifth grade level of intelligence going yeah I was probed by these guys you know and <laughs> so you don't really know who to believe <laughs> what you mean but I know I know that uh, uh, this uh, research into this subject is I literally can't get enough of it. I've, I research all the time on it, and uh, that's I'm just glad I ran into you guys. Maybe I can expand a little bit here. But uh, learning well, is what it's all about. We're trying to do that, you know. Absolutely. We're trying to bring more credibility to 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 the uh, UFO. See, I've never seen one, so I mean, I, I've seen a light in space when I was in the Navy, but other than that, I've never seen a UFO. I've never met an alien. I've met quite a few people who claim to be aliens. And yeah, interview quite a few people who claim to you know do this and that, but uh, personally, I've never you know I've never seen one, but I still believe you know. I do too. There's stuff. They're just. Uh, so much information out there pointing in the same direction that it's 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 almost impossible to deny it. There's so many uh, trust uh, 
so many people that are reputable talking about it, you know. And uh, I, at, at some point, you say it is or it is not, you know. And I've, I've, I've have reached that point where it is in my mind. It's uh, it's reality that they they are there. The universe is out of, the universe is full of it. Uh, I watch yeah. a lot of uh, do a lot of research on the people who study the uh, maps of, I guess, Galileo and other, and NASA, and they, they've learned how to kind of uh, reveal what NASA has covered up in many cases. There's a lot of people out there working really hard, and uh, one of them is uh, uh, Roger uh, INKC. He calls himself Roger in Kansas City on the... Uh, uh, YouTube and Ken, uh, that's the guy I told you about about the insectoids. Especially yeah, I've the, seen uh, some of his videos. Yeah, I, I sent them over to you, and uh, it was uh, I believe they called it a, a big space fleet in the Himalayas, something like that was the title of one of them. And Roger states, and I've seen he's got so many videos all pointing in the same direction that I believe him. And he, he shows, uh, he uses Google Earth, and then he uses um, a magnification, a camera application or something on top of that till he can get just enough of it you can see what it is. And uh, he says that uh, he shows a lot of the spaceships, I mean, lots of them lined up, and he said that he estimated them, and this is really something. He said in the hundreds of thousands that are there in the Himalayas. And uh, that one video alone is, is amazing. The other one is on the uh, Kebab Indian Reservation in North Arizona. Uh, he shows a colony there. He says there's several colonies there, but... This particular colony has a, a lot of spaceships are parked out front on it also, and they're all apparently living underground. They act just like uh, something like yellow jackets would, you know. They 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 live underground. He goes down into Patagonia, South America, into Canada, over into Europe, and he keeps finding these same beings are here. He said they're basically in all of our parks. He's found them in the uh, uh, out in uh, Arizona there, the Grand Canyon. Uh, he's he's found a whole bunch of stuff out there. There's a lot of uh, carving on the cliffs, sculpture work that they do. They do the same thing in Patagonia. Uh, they they carve some of these things are hundreds of feet up the side of a mountain. They will carve, you know. But but they all the common thread in them. They all uh, live in the ground, and in some cases you can see the spaceships out front. Uh, so not to beat that to death, but I would recommend that that all of you go there. Ken, I guess you've been back since since the first time. It's very very interesting stuff. So what Roger is showing us is we have aliens living here on Earth. Uh, one one example of them. And I've seen so much of it that they're here. I know they're here, you know. So anyway, I, I'm talking too much. I apologize for that. 
No, that's how we learn, and I haven't heard any of that. So yeah, that, that's good. Do you write up uh, your research? Uh, you want to see some real good stuff? Uh, the Mars Anomaly on YouTube has some awesome uh, pictures yeah. of Mars yeah. and that, and how he shows uh, different stuff that NASA covers up and how they go about doing it and stuff. Yeah, I've seen some of his work. You're right about that. And there's a guy named. Uh, the real Jimmy Rogers, uh, Jimmy Roberts one. Uh, the real Jimmy Roberts one on the. He has a YouTube channel, and uh, he's really good working with uh, Photoshop and whatnot, and uh, taking some of the looking under the layers there in Mars, and and even on the moon, he's done some work and exposed some things that weren't readily showing up there. And another guy named, yeah, I, uh, I do that myself. I, I do that myself for personal reasons. I don't put YouTube videos out or nothing, but I do quite a I bit of. Uh, I got you. Okay. And, and Gigapan and you know and Paint Shop and well, they call it Photoshop. Mine's called Paint Shop, but it's you know yeah, does the yeah. same thing. Sure, sure. Yeah. There's, there's I'll go a lot check out uh, UFO out uh, videos too and see if they're fake or not. So you're not but I, I do that for any my of your stuff on the YouTube? No, uh, no. Okay, okay. I just do it for my personal uh, understanding and knowledge, you know. <laughs> I see. Well, you know, if you want to share some of that stuff, put it up there. I'd, uh, I'd, I, I would like to see it if you if you wouldn't mind letting us look at it, you know. I don't even say most of it. I just go check it out. And, uh, I, got I know there's so many anomalies on the moon and on Mars. It's ridiculous. And uh, yeah. some of the things here at, on the Earth are, are pretty outstanding, too. Uh, you yeah. got, uh, like, the Eye of Africa. That more than likely used to be Atlantis. I don't know if you know where that is. Uh, I'm not so sure about that, uh... Did you say the eye of North Africa? Yeah, and it's it's pretty awesome. Uh, and if you look at it, you can tell that that's more than likely where Atlantis was. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm I'm not so sure that about that particular place, but I have seen some videos in the past uh, where Atlantis has been talked about quite a bit. People talking about its existence, you know. Yeah, they, they just recently started saying that it was there in, oh. in the last year. Or so, but uh, I've known about it for quite quite a few years, but nobody paid much attention to me when I mentioned it. And I got so, you. <laughs> that's one of the I reasons get, I don't uh, don't post because they really don't pay much attention to you unless you're somebody you know with a big name. Yeah. One thing I do that if you're not doing it, uh, you might want to do it. As uh, I go into the uh, Google there where I have uh, email and uh, their office suite and whatnot, and I signed up for what they call alerts, Google alerts, and you can plug in any subject that you're interested in in there. And so I plugged in uh, aliens and extraterrestrial and, uh, you know, the moon and all of that, and as as uh, the different news organizations are talking about that, they send me stuff all the time. And every now and then I see an article 
where the NASA officials are, are beginning to talk about they they think they're on the verge of finding extraterrestrial life out there. The conversation is beginning on there. So you might want to do that. They'll bring it right to your computer, what the newspapers are saying about it, you know. That's just a suggestion to you. Well, there's got to be life out there. I mean, shoot, there's more stars in the universe than our grains of sand on the earth. I think so. Uh, I'm convinced of it. And uh, there's, uh, <laughs> if not, God sure wasted a lot of space out there for nothing. Yes, right. <laughs> I like that one. That is for sure. <laughs> a lot of wasted space. Yes, sir. Lots of wasted space, and uh, I don't and, think we wasted re- time. Uh, I don't believe he wasted his time. So, uh, if he yeah, really, if he I don't think he would either. Recently, we've just now been able to see. Just recently, uh, we've just now been able to see planets around other stars, and that alone, right there, should tell you that you know. I mean, he sure didn't put them points of lights up there just for us to look at, for, you know, pretty until recently, you know. That's right. Yeah. Those uh, planet-sized uh, spheres that were coming up and kissing the sun and sucking something out of it too, you know, it was a very interesting, uh, a very interesting thing to to think about. Uh, whatever they are, they don't seem to be affected by the uh, sun's heat, or doesn't. They're drawing something from it, or either putting something on it. I guess all of you have seen those uh, spheres, haven't right. you? That's gathered yeah. I got a quick question, question because it's it's active right now, and that is an asteroid um, of cylindrical shape that is. They're they're telling, don't worry, it's not going to hit the Earth. It's going to come between the distance between the Earth and the Moon, and uh, that's happening as we're sitting here talking to each other. Is it? There is something going on out there. And, uh, Absolutely, that's that's interesting, Ken. Anybody and have any more information? Either of you guys have more information? All, all I know is that they're saying, "Oh, don't worry, we're not going to get hit." I, I noticed since 2012, we've moved into a uh, more of a dirtier area of space. By that, you mean asteroids and things a lot more? Yeah, that's yeah, uh, chunks and stuff and. Uh, we uh, on 2012. What that was about was we started back up. We, we our, the Earth or the solar system kind of makes a little sine wave as it may, moves through space with a 26,000 year cycle between the top and the bottom of it. And in 2012, we passed the galactic plane of the Milky Way, and we're headed back up above the Milky Way galactic plane. And that, and ever since then we've been getting more meteors and more asteroids coming around, and I think it's just a dirtier area of space. Well, if it's if it's dirtier, that means there's more stuff there and more of an opportunity for us to find other existence of intelligent beings, or or get hit by something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, let's hope that it's not that way because. That wouldn't that wouldn't be a, um, a a good way to continue intelligent. Well, that's questionable too. Intelligent life as on planet Earth. 
I think I like what the, Ben was talking about. There's um, some of those. It's the aliens that are underground or what have you, and all that. Uh, some of them have been around for a terribly long time, according to some of the the documents and records that we've been reading and getting into. It, it's That's just now true. coming to. Yeah, the Indians were drawing them pictures of them out there in the Grand Canyon. Is, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. One, one instance of it. Uh, Roger in Kansas City has some pictures, if you look very close, he's got images of these uh, beings. And in some cases, these beings have uh, like a white mask on, whether that is uh, for breathing problems or either from uh, to shield them from the sun. Some of them wear a white mask. And uh, I guess all of you have seen this... um, this picture on Mars of a kind of like a, a Martian soldier sort of kneeling down. He has kind of like a weapon in his hand. And uh, somebody blew that up, and I've got a picture of it. And he's got, he, he looks, I mean, real, but he's, he's got that same mask on that these uh, insectoids have on at times. That Roger's finding. And now, check this out. Roger says some of these beings are a hundred feet tall, and some of them are little. And uh, he has pictures uh, of various small ones, but he said they grow really tall. A lot of them. And so, I guess, I guess the uh, obviously uh, our people, uh, the powers to be, know. They are here, otherwise they wouldn't be uh, uh, having their colonies colonies near military bases. Uh, He found one out there at Edwards area, uh, an alien base near that. And then there in northern Arizona, there's, uh, as as Ken would know, and maybe all of you know, there's quite a bit of military installation up in that area, and yet. All of these uh, insectoids are there, and uh, that's not the only instance. He's found the, uh, these aliens overseas uh, on foreign military bases also. So our, our people here, that the powers to be, there's some kind of a, uh, an agreement between uh, the leaders and, and those, uh, those aliens. Because it's obvious that they're here, and uh, and they like they said over in the Himalayas that the Indian Army would would intercede if you got in certain places, and then uh, they said the same thing in the Grand Canyon. A lot of that is off limits for tourists, and uh, the reason being is because because of these beings are there, you know. Anyway, that's my what, what I'm taking from everything I'm studying. Uh, there you they're go. Here, uh, if Roger is right and their spaceships are numbering in the hundreds of thousands, that means millions of them are in the Himalayas alone, and must be multiple millions here on Earth of just that one particular alien. You know. Uh, I'm I'm a little more interested in Antarctica. And what's been recently discovered and going there, and oh, yeah. uh, I've got some good friends that have 
been part of that team and stuff going down. So we are discovering. That's why I keep pushing the term full disclosure. We've had bits and pieces, and as each one of us have contributed tonight about uh, events and things and parts that we've been involved in, the, the yeah. full disclosure where the whole public and everybody's going to hear it, and we can get the truth out to where we can take our take our place in sentient, intelligent beings and throughout the whole galaxy. So we yeah. are living in interesting times, and I'm looking forward to continuing it. So, and Ben, you and I can live a lot longer, so we'll just keep keep trucking on. I'm ahead of you, but I'm going to stay with it. I sure hope you do, Ken. I want to throw in one last-minute thing in case you all have noticed it. I have it uh, on my Facebook page. I'm thinking it's between four and 600 miles of megalopolis that I've found down in the at the uh, Antarctica area, and uh, you you can look in there using the um, Google Map, uh, Google Earth Pro, and I was just right. using that, and then it'll let you measure distances, and so it's four to six hundred miles, megalopolis I found down there, and they're sure not telling the world about that, you know. Nope. Uh, check that out, Ken. Uh, all of you, if you've not already looked about it, uh, you'll see it. Uh, I t- snapped a, a picture from within Google Earth, and I put it on Facebook there. You can you can look see, at problem, it and see what you think about it. The problem you run into is so many people, they hear just a little piece of information here and there, and they don't do the research themselves. And you've got you've got the disinformation being pushed out on the public. And yes, sir. Yes, sir. People the research, they're 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 just following along and doing nothing and then learning nothing. And I appreciate the fact that you've been at least do your own research and uh, join the club. I mean, it's the only yes, way you sir. can go. I'm, but, I'm trying to do it, and I'm tr- I, I'm trying to share everything I find too. Uh, yeah, you can't you believe everything you see. There's one other man that has done some work down at the. Antarctica. He's in the Netherlands, and his name is uh, Herbert Klein, K-L-E-I-N. Uh, he shows some some cities down there also, and uh, he's got two or three different videos on that place down there. You might check him out also on it. That's Herbert Klein. Yeah, his name is Herbert Klein. Yeah. K-L-E-L-E-I-N, and he's in the Netherlands over there. And uh, also, I think Roger in Kansas City has done a little bit of work down there also. And uh, he's uh, he's an amazing guy. I don't know anybody else on Earth that's doing what he does. Uh, And a lot of times, since he has found things, uh, Google uh, Earth, will come behind and paint over the areas that Rogers found, but he got there in time just ahead of him, you know, in different places. And uh, that's so, a, that's some of the uh, bases on Mars, uh, unless, and I'm, I will say this, the, the archive that I kept whenever I left NASA for both the moon and a lot on Mars, these uh-huh. are originals from the original, the original um, um, transmitted pictures and things back. And you can yeah. actually find and where some of the bases are and stuff. That now, if you go and you look for the same picture number or what have you, it's obviously been 
they've been painted over and uh, yep. trying to yep. hide hide the truth. But we are in full disclosure, and we need just to keep pushing pushing forward and being sure that absolutely, that absolutely. Everybody. We appreciate your input about painting over Mars because I look around up there every now and then, Tukin, and I can see that it's been painted and plastered over a lot. You know, even on the moon, a lot of it's done up there too. But it's funny when you start looking at some of the pictures and you start zeroing in and zooming in closer, and then you can see where the pixels have been have been doctored and messed with. So yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I've seen a lot of that. Yeah, and there are people who just go and not believe because somebody else says, "Well, take a look at that; it's not there." And then, and so we now are looking for people that are intelligent enough to do their own research and come up with more information and make it available to all of us that are yes, interested in finding the truth. So, I'm, nice to meet another person that uh, is doing your own research. But like I said, you've got to be careful. The, the misinformation, the misinformation is out there. All of you. Who else is cooking here? What's what's where where are we going here, TJ? I'm 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 hanging out here all by myself here with Ben. <laughs> I wonder what happened. Hi, Jason, there. You're not, I'm here. There oh, you here. are. Okay. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. Can you hear me? I'm I'm getting it intermittent. It's blinking in and off. I can hear about half of what you were saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what's, well, what's going to be the next biggest thing, the next biggest thing for disclosure coming up? Anybody got any inside information? Well, they're talking about the apocalypse and the collapse of humanity on a lot of the places. I don't know if it's just the same old donkey-elephant game we call in politics, Democrats versus Republicans, or if it's really about to shapeshift the planet. But I I would imagine we have to go all the way out and look at the entire Milky Way galaxy and the complete universal order. I don't see any collapse or apocalypse coming down, but because uh, there's people talking about the end of the world and all of that, that that should be a part of our UFO disclosure. So uh, any of you guys want to talk about the positive side that we've been here forever or these people have been coming and going. It's just we're starting to disclose to each other that we're not ashamed to talk about our experiences. It's sort of all-encompassing. But, uh, Ahmed, you, did you copy anything that Dr. Rick Allen Miller was talking about on Jeff Rent's show last night? I'll uh, go take a peek real quick. No, I didn't, get a, I didn't get a chance to check it out. Okay. Well, we've had Dr. Rick Allen Miller, a very good friend of ours, and uh, uh, one of our author publishers involved with us, and he was on Jeff Rent's show. But he said another gentleman came on, and they were sharing. Uh, how did he explain it? Uh, it was just a brief uh, thing about, I guess he said the word apocalypse, did he? Was that the, the word he used? Ahmad, do you remember today? I do. I didn't hear the word you blanked out. My internet's terrible tonight. Oh, yeah, I hear something else uh, coming from somewhere, but I'm not sure where it's coming from. Well, uh, you know, we've been around forever, folks, and I don't see anything that uh, there's enough bad in the world not to have to share it uh, on the radio in disclosure. So uh, various people have various radio shows, and Jeff Rents is certainly been around for a while. He has his own face, 
uh, and uh, somebody put him up for American Radio Talk Show as Jeff Rent's program uh, as satellite radio. So uh, radio host and how we're helping get the word out with our ACO club, uh, we've got, I guess, anomalous. Uh, we need to discuss uh, anomalies, but I will mention that the apocalypse is one of the Jewish Christian writings of 200 before Christ to A.D. or after death, 150, which they're changing the beast in the A.D. from God, meaning uh, taking it from a spiritual sense, but uh, symbolizing energy and expectation of an imminent cosmic cataclysm. Okay, and that's when God destroys the ruling powers of evil and raises the righteous life in a messianic kingdom. But that sounds so weird, the word apocalypse. But it's used a lot in today's uh, space industry, environmental uh, ways of thinking. I guess it's just for each human. We get into some of the heavy part of uh, neurology and what we are and what's in our brain versus our soul a lot of times. And it is, we would like to stick to the scientific side, but the word just doesn't ring well. Apocalypse or the end of the uh, way we think of the universe. So I don't know that that's such a good idea, but they use it in <laughs> literature, okay? They use it in literature. But uh, each person, death and dying, is a part of our association, health and wellness, with the ACO Association. So uh, how we each involve us as individuals uh, might be part of disclosure. I'm really studying a lot at night, Ben, Pelham, and uh, Amanda, what were you talking about, quantum entanglement? And they shot some stuff up in space and all of that. You want to talk about that or what, what do you guys want to talk about? Anomalies is a big word. It can be anything. Strange. Mad, you got any ideas? I'll look up anomalous. Uh, anomalies are, I mean, our whole solar system is one big anomaly. <laughs> well, there's, there's a lot of anomalies uh, everywhere that we don't understand scientifically. I mean, the moon shouldn't even be there. I was just going to step in and just, say that. That, that's one of the things that people started saying about, well, now, the moon isn't uh, isn't really just a, a, a big rock up there. It wasn't that a, a spaceship or something like that. There's some, uh, some evidence. I think you were just getting ready to touch on that, that the moon in the location that it's in, the orbit that it makes around the Earth, the fact that it has a, a locked uh, orbital um, rotation, period that keeps the same side facing the, the earth all the time there's some strangeness that goes on there uh, having to do and we we now you you mentioned it much earlier tj and i was involved in in this part of the apollo on each one of our um, um landing stations one of the things one of the biggest things that we did when we after we rendezvoused we, we took we left the moon rendezvoused with the command module in orbit around the moon and then we had to separate the lunar module from the command module and then fire the retro rockets remotely because the uh, lunar module ascent stays to come down, down and impact the moon on certain locations. And 
when it did, it caused the moon to vibrate and ring like a bell. And that's uh, and I and I posted on my website oh, some time ago. I kept uh, some of the uh, seismic charts that shows the amount of of ringing, whereas normally, like we do in uh, geological surveys here on the planet Earth, they set off uh, thumps or explosions to and then record the the amount of vibrations that come up on the moon whenever we had an impact <clears throat> and then the signals were being transmitted back to her, it rang for over an hour, I mean, a vibration, which basically wow. said it, it's somewhat hollow inside. So, yeah. And then you can go with that. Yeah, you can go with that back to why haven't we returned to the moon? And, I mean, I'll be happy to talk about it, but how about TJ, uh, any of the rest of you want to – Put in a little comment about why have we not returned to the moon? If not, uh, I will go on. That's I a big question. On that. Go ahead. Uh, uh, if if uh, if there's a there's a man called on on uh, YouTube, uh, Bruce, please all. It's his channel, Bruce Sees All, and uh, he's found some beautiful cities up there. He's a Canadian, lives up in Vancouver, I believe, and he has a a 14-inch scope and uh, cameras set up, and he's found a way uh, to get under, to get under the hologram, as he calls it, and at certain times he's able to reveal huge uh, cities up there and uh, he has several examples of that on the on the internet and if I'm not mistaken on one of them he, he shows it he's measured it off and I believe it was uh, over 200 miles if I'm remembering it correctly for this one megalopolis alone that he's found up there and he's, if, if you're not familiar with him it, it's, it's, it's the, the, the very best that I have found anywhere on the internet is uh, Bruce sees all. It's his work. His name is Bruce Swartz, and uh, you might check that out. Uh, the reason I interjected there, Ken, uh, that would be maybe a big reason that we didn't go back to the moon. <laughs> We'd have a hard, hard trouble okay. finding a place to to come down. <laughs> yeah, let me jump in on that one if you don't mind. And this yes, happened sir. after Apollo. Apollo 17, and it left the lunar orbit and was on uh, the trans-Earth insertion uh, coming back towards the Earth. We had ham radio operators as well as NASA, too, that picked up this, a transmitted signal from the vicinity of the moon, more than likely from the moon, that said, do not return. You're not ready. And this is – I asked at the very beginning, why haven't we gone back to the moon since yeah. Apollo 17? We were ordered not to go back to the moon until we are ready to be uh, able to join, in my opinion, join the the Federation of Station Intelligent Beings, and that would, yeah. you know, we we're yeah, ready we to make fun each other. <laughs> and we don't want to kill each other. Well, that's, that's each other long enough to get that done, you know. <laughs> and with with the uh, the the moon, and as I said, the the impacts that we made when the the ascent stage would come back and impact the, the moon and surface and, and the ringing. That it, it was evidence that it's chambered. And also, uh, if you go to Mars, you're talking about, um, Charlie, you're going to have to help me here. My brain dropped out on 
uh, the the two major moons on Mars, um, one one of them is is pretty much definitely hollow, and to be able to maintain the orbit uh, where it's located. So there's so much excitement going on for us, and we need to just keep digging in and and um, finding out what's what's going on, so we can be a part of this full disclosure that's going on. Absolutely. Anybody want to add to that? I, I, somebody's beeping here. Uh, Ken, it's I've got um, a battery-powered phone. It's probably my battery signaling that I need to to, to jump off. It could be fine. So I'm on the uh, I'll, I will get off and not interfere. It's been really nice talking with you tonight, all of you. And I wish all of you luck, and I'll be following you. Every Thursday, every Thursday, and check with TJ. You'll find out she's almost on every night. She's doing something. I got you. I'll be checking on her. And it's, it's been real nice. And thank you for for allowing me to to make comments tonight. And wish you all bet. of you a good night. You have a good evening. Take care. Now, how about the other team over here? Um, Ahmed, are you still with us? Me? You still with me? Or is oh, TJ? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good. We don't have that much time. We got about four minutes. Yep. Three minutes. How are we going to be able to pull the rest of these people out there that have had experiences, that have more knowledge, and get them to contact them? TJ could probably tell better than I could um, where they can contact and we can start getting their information and put together. Because we are definitely in the phase of full disclosure, and the only way to get that, keep it moving, is the people that have that information and knowledge to come forward, and they're, they're not going to be put in jail because that's the whole thing with this thing about um, um, the, um, <laughs> yeah. Where the, Speaking um, your truth. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm having, uh, yeah. Well, various so, people are welcome to join us, and we have the ASO Club app I put in the description, and tjmarctradio.com. I need to start putting a lot more information out there for all our shows but, yeah, we'd like to invite everybody to check out acoclub.app, and we'll get some more information out there on what we're doing, and tgmarsetradio.com, and then our group, acoassociation.com, and we're going to be building our ufoassociation.org organization, as uh, and we have a trade association helping other people in our business. And uh, whatever you're into, just let us know. Uh, but uh, Thursday nights, we discuss more anomalous phenomena, I guess one might say. But we deal in alienology, cosmology, phenomenology, ufology. And uh, we're going to come back here. Ken R. Johnston, uh, definitely a big space advocate and going into space. But also Thomas R. Becker says he hasn't seen one, but he's one of our big artists. And he's doing some book designs for us now. And uh, we'll be writing more about what we actually do know. And uh, any last words, Ahmed? Are you still here? Because you dropped off once. <laughs> Are you still here? Yeah, I'm still here. Uh, just come check us out. We we need to support. Uh, the whole reason we're doing this is to uh, uh, bring together like-minded people and hopefully cause some uh, disclosure. Please yeah, let us know that. who you are. Ken, you want to yep. say how to get in touch with you to give them your Facebook or email? Mars uh, One Astronaut spelled out Mars O N E Astronaut at Gmail dot com, right? That's correct. But, I was going to tell um, 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 Ahmed 
you had to go to my website right fast because there's a little good input in there having to do with uh, women in space or women going to the moon and stuff. And I, I pretty well shot down the person that made the comment that says um, uh, the plan to put women on the moon was canceled after they found out how cold it would get. Well, I, I tore that one apart. So you might enjoy going to my website and see how I stood up for it because you find out the women you, might do better at it than we do. All right. Did you put it on your Facebook account because you uh, – instead of your I blog? Did. Okay, so when That's you say right, go right, to my, your account, you mean go to your Facebook, right? Facebook, Facebook account? account. Yes, okay. ma'am. You got it. Okay. All right. That, tell, them every, tell them how to get in touch with you. It's Mars One Astronaut, and it's Ken R. Johnston, and you've got a number of 3148, I believe, after Ken Johnston, 3148. But uh, yeah. everybody, keep in touch. Find us here weekly, and we'll be sharing more information and uh Stuff with our group, ACO Club, Anonymous Club Online, ACO Club, Anomalous Club Online, and that includes uh, Alien Contact and Ufology and UFO Association and our ACO Association. We cover everything, but we'll, we're going to try to spell it out in our Allied Command organization, calling it Allied Command, so it's pretty much all-inclusive. Everybody likes that name. And then we can discuss all the veterans, Space Force, and Space Command in the future. So stay tuned, and it's 2019, and enjoy. This is our 50th year in space as far as humankind is concerned, getting out and walking on the moon, I guess. Is, is that, Ken, do, how are we going to say that? Because we were in space before July 20th, but what do we say? When man first walked on the moon, is that the 50th anniversary? That what is we correct. Say? That was when okay. um, publicly, that's what the public knows, and that's what NASA wanted to know, is when we, so we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of, of uh, humans setting foot, Neil Armstrong, on the moon. Okay, so that's walking on the moon. All right, everybody, thank you for your attention. Ken, thanks for spreading the word out there. And uh, Ben Pelham, I put his name on the bottom of this website, so uh, he'll be able to find Hopefully, be I hope it was P E L L U M. I'm guessing it could be P E L L A M. He didn't really say which way to spell it. You think it's Pelam or Pelum? <laughs> Anybody? It's Pelum, I believe. With L L U M, you think? That's I think so. I'm, it. I've got it. I've got it, and I will uh, look it up and I'll send it to you. Okay. Well, thank you, everybody. Thank you, Ahmed, and I guess everybody. Have a good weekend. Ahmed's going to be on Revolution.Radio. You can tune in to him Sunday, 11 to 3, on Ahmed Look at Reality. Go to Revolution.Radio, and you're on – they have to learn how to go to the website and click Studio B, right, Ahmed? That's I'm you. Studio A. Oh, you're on and, Studio and you, A. And TJ, you're right. It's P-E-L-L-O-M, Pelham. O-M. Correct. Okay, not it wasn't U R A like Pelham, Alabama. It nope. was O M. Okay, well I'll it. correct that. Well, it's a good thing because once we get off here, they don't like me to go back in and change anything. Uh, at least in writing, uh, it, it's really hard to get back in. Uh, I've uh, need to make sure it's there. There, that's correct. Okay, folks, thank you everybody. Thank you, Ken R. Johnston, and all your space data and info and area 51 information folks just look it up and the guy's name was robert what was his name 
Maddie, it was Maddie, wasn't it? Maddie, is that it? Uh, Maddie Roberts, I think was who we were talking about. Maddie Roberts on Facebook, but it was called Storm Area 51. But there are uh, people out there that are forming groups and events. We're not. It's too hot in September in the desert for me. But there may be some musicians out there making some great Area 51 songs. And uh, look up the groups. And Maddie Roberts is the one that started the big craze September 20th at 3 a.m. in the morning. Meet him there. And everybody will storm. But what they meant was uh, ingest. But at the same time, you know, there may be some good American tourism coming out of this. So let's hope it's a good, healthy thing and some of the event managers can get a hold of it properly. All right, folks, thank you. And join us next week. Thank you, guys. Any last words? Yeah. Have a good evening. Take care. All right. Y'all have a good evening. All right, here we go then. Thank you, everybody.